1: Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today, as always, is Mr. Samuel Lucas. Samuel, how's it going?
2: Very well, thank you, Dan. How are you?
1: Yeah, i good as ever, mate. Well, me and Ty have just been discussing before the podcast how in an absolute battle with the courier, or a certain courier service. I'm not even gonna give them the the benefit of naming them, but they're doing my absolute head in. But we try and uh, we try and battle on regardless. And speaking of Mr. Tyron Marshall, Ty, how's it going?
0: Yes, good. Thank you, Dan. Good. It's not uh, every day we get to do a a podcast with you as host, is it?
1: Very good. Very good. I like it. I like it. Well, speaking of um, mixing up the everyday occurrences, we're going to talk about the uh, United's win over Everton in the FA Cup. First off, it was a bit of a run-of-the-mill affair. We'll get to it in due time, but there is something a bit more exciting to kick things off with, Samuel, and that is, of course, United's chase for White Weghast. It's a Quite an, un, probably one no one expected the striker name United to finally kind of target and go for, it. and it seems to be an even stranger deal to pull off. Uh, the latest being as Tyrone has just publish a matter of minutes before recording. Uh, Besiktas have rejected um, United's offer via Burnley to terminate uh, we- 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 Weggos' loan at the Turkish club. They want to keep him for the rest of the season. Burnley have no recall option on the loan move, so can't bring him back. Uh, uh, to get any deal over the line of Weggos going to Old Trafford, um, a... At- Bisiktas will have to kind of relinquish uh, the loan, agree to terminate it, and send him back to the northwest. Wegast is confident, as you have reported, and wants to move, but it, it
2: it remains quite a quite a strange deal,
1: quite a unique one.
2: It, it is in the. I, I can't recall many scenarios where a club wants a player who's on loan elsewhere and. Normally, that's that, that, that scuppers a deal before it's even started. But United are clearly emboldened to go for course. The way he acted after scoring for Besiktas on Friday indicates that he saw that as his last game for them. But a lot of footballers kind of jump to conclusions and, and don't really uh, consider the minutiae of, of deals like this. And this one is, is potentially complex because you've got Burnley presenting Besiktas with a deal on behalf of United. And I, I suppose the Fed course was was too obvious an option that n- nobody really mentioned him. I mean, he's Dutch, he's a striker. Uh, he, he has got you know, mid-season loan move written all over him. But unfortunately for United, he is at another club on loan. They they, they clearly knew that. Uh, but as, again, as I said, they they feel emboldened enough to go for him. And he is more aligned with what Ten Hag he is a more balanced option than more exotic uh, names that, that the flavors of the month like Cody Gakpo or Zhao Felix. I mean, there, there is a contradiction in going for Veghorst because Ten Hag literally did say last week in those latest uh, quotes from from his interview with Vertball International that United had signed average players. Now Veghorst is objectively average. He scored two goals for Burnley last season. He was playing for Wolfsburg before that. He was; he's always been seen as quite an unremarkable striker. I know he did okay with with Wolfsburg, but the fact that he went to Burnley at a time where he was he was parachuted in to try and to try and keep them up and failed. And I think Ty will go into the background on on his character and personality at Burnley in far more greater detail than than I could but Burnley washed their hands quite quickly of him and he was never going to fancy it in the Championship. And to be honest, he's not really aligned with what, if, if he had somehow stuck around at Burnley, he's not aligned with how they're playing at the moment. They play very fluidly <coughs> under Van and Company. They had another very good result the weekend against Bournemouth. They are going to get promoted. It'll be fascinating to see how they fare next season. But United see him as someone who has attributes that none of their other forwards have. And that that is true. It's not. A necessary skill to have, but it's clearly something that Ten Hag values. He, he he looked at Marco Arnautovic very seriously back in August, and there are similarities between Arnautovic and Veikhorst. Uh, United have already talked up Veikhorst's goal scoring record with Vashik of eight goals and 16. The major caveat is that he's been doing it in Turkey, and Turkey, if if anything, it's it's a bit like Europe's answer to MLS, and that it's a retirement home. We had the, was it in twenty seventeen that the come to Besiktas viral videos, and it was like Pepe was out there, Ricardo Quaresma was out there, Deli Ali's out there. Who's probably the youngest person to to probably retire from uh, professional top top level football, certainly. So in some ways, it is a strange move. In other ways. It isn't a strange move. I certainly wasn't shocked when I saw those reports coming out of Turkey and the Netherlands at the weekend. Uh, I, I feel disappointed in myself and ourselves that we never actually thought he was a, an obvious option to go for. If we're mentioning Abubakar as someone United you know, might go for, then, then course, certainly merited a shout. And I suppose United, if they do manage to get that deal over the line in the background on signing him, they will mention the fact that he scored twice against Argentina. In a World Cup quarterfinal, so there is some game-changing prowess that he he has there. Some some recent clout from that. That, I mean, I, that was probably the game of the World Cup, apart from the final. Just for the sheer, uh, I, I can't really say the words, uh, given that you know the, the alliteration does come with sheer there, but. There were eighteen yellow cards in it, and I think Virgil Van Dyke uh, ca- causing a minor tremor. And in the ground was maybe the highlight of the World Cup for me as well. And Vakars was was in the thick of that, as as he was afterwards when Messi was telling him to uh, bugger off, I believe. Uh, but, well, just before he was conducting an interview, so he's, he's got a bit of character about him. But this this is not a time really to be going for for Dutch forwards. I had a glance at their squad at Euro 2004 and they had Van Nistelrooy, Cliver, Roy Mackay. They were strikers at United, Barcelona and Bayern Munich, three of the biggest clubs in the world. The last time they had a world-class forward, that was that was Robin Van Persie and, and I and Robin and their last hurrah in, in Brazil uh, n- nearly nine years ago now, uh, that, that World Cup. So uh, although and Depay are, are, are sexier names, if you want to call it. Clearly, you you know, Ten Hag feels though, as though horse is more suited to what United need. And I can kind of get where they're coming from. But if if it mm. does happen, it does lead to some potentially awkward questions for him to field.
1: Absolutely. Well, it, on paper, Ty, as kind of Samuel mentioned there, it does seem... A, just because he's on loan somewhere else, that's probably why none of us even suspected it'd be, even be possible, and yeah. we we still don't know if it will be um, when push comes to shove. But on paper, you'd think, oh, a big, tall, kind of lumbering, six foot six, giant of a man. It's not really. It doesn't really fit into what Ten Hag. Wants to do it United, but kind of the more you look into it, it does make a bit more sense. I think you know United, as we've talked about um, ad nauseum have two strikers available, both of a kind of a similar profile in Rashford and Marshall, where they like to get on the ball, kind of cut inside, um, aren't exactly phys- major physical presences. Wegos certainly brings that, as, as Samuel mentions there, his pre- his introduction against Argentina really set the cat amongst the pigeons. He was a um, Uh, You know, he just struck panic into the heart of that defence and Argentina did really well to recover from that in in the second half, although they may have been helped by uh, Van Gaal (laughs) choosing not to keep banging the ball up to him. Um, But, you know, we'll talk about his time at Burnley. It was only two goals, of course, as Samuel correctly points out. But additionally to that, he did get um, another three assists, so five goal contributions in 20 games. Not the best record, of course, but one in five. But for a team who were obviously really struggling to score anything at all, Um, didn't exactly play the most attacking football as it was in Burnley. He still kind of made a bit of an impact. And I recall in his second game for Burnley, he actually pulled off a great assist against United when he, um, with a little touch, he kind of sent Tomine and Maguire, probably not the the greatest ringing of endorsements, but he sent them both kind of sprawling into each other with a clever turn and then hit a really incisive pass that kind of split open for Ram for Jay Rodriguez to go in and score. So, um, and then additionally, uh, Ten Hag, he's not been... Ajax, he's not been adverse to using big men He he kind of revived Sebastian Haller's career He always had, for at least a few um, early years in his reign He had Klaas-Jan Huntelaar there as an option um, Whenever it was needed So he's never been, you know, ideally He likes to play nice football But he's never wanted to switch it to a back three if needed Or to stick a big man up front So I think the more you look at it It might make a bit more sense than it may first have appeared I imagine when the rumours first kind of sprouted out There was um, rival fans laughing and whatnot. And it doesn't seem you know, the most glamorous signing on paper, of course, but given United's um, curious situation where they are in January and the options available, if they do pull it off, I'm not sure it wouldn't be the actual worst signing they could have done.
0: No, I, and I think that, I think it's going down well because Hag wants it to happen. Um, let's be honest, if this was being driven by Solskjaer or Ranik, I think there'd, there'd be an outcry on social media and people would be saying it's Odia mark two. Um because Ten Hag wants him and Ten Hag wanted all the summer signings and they've all made an impact. So it's kind of what he wants, he, he gets really. If he wanted to sign one of us three to play, everyone would probably be like, well, he's, he's probably seen something in them that no one else has. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's kind of got this free reign at the moment. And it is, you know on paper, it, it is a strange world. Like we say, he did all right at Wolfsburg, but it's it's Wolfsburg in a high-scoring league where lots of strikers look good. And then his record since then, Okay, in Besiktas, poor at Burnley. He is thirty now. Not really played for a big club, but yeah, like you you can see, it makes sense for those reasons. I compared him this morning with with really, Um, and they're not identical players, but they're both tall. I think six foot four and six foot six. But they're not proper target men, really. They they can do that, but they both like to drop deep and link play and and do a bit more than that. And I mean, Ten Hag signed Haller, Haller twice. He signed him for Utrecht as well as. Ajax so he clearly valued what he could do and, and you can see Weghorst as, as similar and I think one of the issues at Burnley was that he wasn't really I'm not sure he was the player that they necessarily thought they were getting they sold Chris Wood and maybe wanted a replacement but just because he's tall he's, he's not really that similar and he does drop deep and that goal that you mentioned against United was probably the best example of, of what he does he's he's a link play forward as much as he's a number nine stand in the box and launch balls from your fullbacks to him which Burnley liked to do on the dice he's, he's not really that kind of player Um, as much as maybe Chris Wood and and Ashley Barnes are. So I think there was an acclimatisation period at at a point when that club was falling apart. So I don't think you could read too much into that. And I think the the more I hear about him, the more I think he sounds similar to Ten Hag in a lot of ways, I think. And they're from the same area of Holland, aren't they? And and you can kind of see those personality traits. I mean, he was very very confrontational, I think, at, at Burnley and quite spiky off the pitch. I think he had issues with some of his teammates in training and heard stories of him sending sending messages to the to the WhatsApp group of players late at night, suddenly coming up with an idea of what they need to do to get involved in the game more or to play better more. And some people, when they're settling down at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock to watch TV or go to bed, don't want a message from the centre forward saying, can you try passing it into my feet instead of lumping it? Or, or words to that effect. Um, <laughs> so I think he's maybe not the most sort of self-aware in that respect, but... The stories you hear of him, he's, he's he's clearly difficult, but I think he's doing it to get the best out of his career and the best from himself. And maybe he's going about it the wrong way. But I think that kind of character trait and that sort of bluntness and not really caring is... You kind of see it a little bit from Ten Hag in, in press conferences and it's in very occasions Dutch, we get to it? speak to him away from the camera. It's very Dutch, yeah. And and they're, <laughs> they're both from the same region where maybe the Dutchness is, is even more Dutch than... <laughs> Than other places <laughs> and than maybe big cities like Amsterdam they're, they're, they're uber Dutch aren't they um, and they both have that personality I mean Simon spent a lot of time with with Tenard with a few other journalists in Spain and he is you know I'm sure he can vouch that he is like that as well and straight to the point no messing doesn't really necessarily care for other people's feelings and I think Vergaust has has you certainly run the risk of him upsetting a dressing room and maybe not quite fitting in but I think at United it probably fits in better because there's players that are perhaps more used to that than they were at Burnley, and I think I'll have a manager who maybe encourages that as well. So I think as a short-term deal, I think it it does make some sense. But I also think that it's being allowed to make sense because Tenag wants it, and he's had such a good start. And if this was, like I say, if this was a year ago, it'd be a Galo Mark two, wouldn't
1: it? <laughs> it would It does seem like he's only kind of come to the to the forefront just because of that Argentina game. I wonder. I do wonder if it you know, not to kind of disparage Ten Hag and say he's only looking for a player because he's scored in a quarter-final. He's clearly very familiar with him. Ten Hag's kind of transfer uh, modus operandi, for the most part, has been either players he's managed or players he's uh, familiar with from Dutch football. But um, Samuel, do you think that kind of personality that Tyrone mentioned there would fit in well at Old Trafford now? Like I say, there seems to be a lot more kind of competitive spirit. And now Ronaldo has gone, it does seem the dressing room has Obviously, kind of mellowed out a bit, maybe, and get everyone's kind of backing each other a bit more. Is is that would Wegos's um, kind of introduction make that better, or could, as Tyron mentions, would it run the risk of kind of
2: uh, unsettling it somewhat? Well, it, it's not like Ibrahimovic going into the dressing room. He's he's not got that that cachet. He's you, you look at his career, and it's not it's 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 underwhelming, so it's not like they've got a, a superstar going in there. It's not a mid season signing remotely like Fernandez in twenty twenty or, or Alexis Sanchez, which was, was pretty spectacular in twenty eighteen and, and, and a little bit left field as well as everybody expected City to sign him. I think with with Weghorst, if he was to go to United he would he'd be delighted to be there for one. I mean it's a it's a hell of an upgrade from where he was based in in Lancashire last year, with, with all due respect to Burnley, I mean, but Burnley's a it it has a has a bum rap, but the the ground is is, is one of my favourite, one of the best views uh, from, from a press box, and the Lancashire countryside around it is, is very pleasant as well. I can I can attest to that. But going going to Man United is is a massive step up, and he he fulfilled that role of support striker reasonably well at the World Cup. I mean, it was that game against. Argentina where way to to I mean both goals were very well taken. The header was an excellent header, and then of course the free kick is I mean, that that was pretty much World Cup immortality for him. That that free kick is going to be replayed uh, millions of times uh, during during Beghorst's lifetime. So although he he's clearly got some spikiness, you would imagine also even though he's got ten args here essentially, and that they that they're two tuckers I think is is the nickname given for people from from twenty, and there's clearly a gruffness about them and you did see that from their course. I mean, when, when Burnley announced his signing, he was mocked up as the as the T-Rex exiting the paddock in Jurassic Park as this you know mountainous uh, beast coming down to, to terrorise people and he, he didn't really terrorise many but he, he would fulfil a role at United in that you look at their bench for the for the Everton game and and the, the strength and depth was actually pretty good until you got towards the the attacking department and they've got still they've got one decent game changer a good game changer in Garnacho but they've still not got someone who you look to there and think there's there's a goal in him if he comes on in this game and you could possibly get that with Fagho uh, he, As I said, he is in good form or has been in good form for the Besiktas. And again, going back to that football international interview that, that Ten Hag has given, he did stress in those latest batch of quotes the importance of character. And we said that in the summer as well, before Ten Hag said it, we saw that as much as important as getting quality footballers into the squad, uh, it always is. United needed good characters in there as well, because the dressing room last season was... I mean, Lingard told Paul Scholes about it. It was a disaster, and we'd already written that by the time because we all knew about it. And it does seem like all the the bad apples, if you could call them that, they're they're gone now. Uh, it seems, I mean, not seems. It is a much more harmonious squad. There might be occasions where that that harmony is is tested. New Year's Eve was a good example when Rashford transgressed and was left out of the starting lineup, but he came in. He got the goal. There'll probably come a point where Ten Hag disciplines someone and it does backfire, but that's part of the, you know, you, you, everything isn't going to go smoothly. And I think, I think in some ways you do need a bit of conflict from time to time because you don't want it too soon. You don't want it to be an environment where the managers are soft-touched, which was the case under the previous permanent regime. And players would take liberties and just swan off and go on holiday mid-season every other year when they're supposed to be rehabilitating from injury. Um, and then it's it's up to an interim manager of all people to summon them back to the training ground to, to receive treatment and so that United can keep an eye out on them. So at, at the moment, Ten is in a position of strength because his hit rate in the transfer market has been pretty good. I mean, the Arnautovic interest in the summer was legitimately embarrassing. I think I wrote at the time it was the biggest low of the, the Glazer era. The, the timing, the the profile of player, the integrity of going for, for Arnautovic as well. Everything about it just stank and at least United did withdraw their interest. If they'd gone for Arnautovic now, it would have been slightly more palatable Um, because they're in a Champions League place. They're 90 minutes away from a cup semi-final they're in the FA Cup still. You know, it's it's shaping up to be. It could be a very good season. They've got a playoff against Barcelona to look forward to next month. excited It feels like it's you know exciting times back at United. Speaking to a Dutch journalist who came over to Old Trafford, he was he was actually surprised at how pleasant it was going to United. He didn't anticipate that, and it's not just down to the results, but the results do set the tone, and that's why Ten Hag has to take immense credit. So for now, they've got to back him. And with this vague horse approach, that is Ten Hag pushing it. With the owners and the situation there, United overspent in the summer massively. I mean, people who thought that they'd even triggered Enzo Valenza's release clause need the head check-in. United invested an an exorbitant amount of money in the summer. They're not going to be looking to spend in January. The only reason they are trying to bring someone in is because Cristiano Ronaldo wanted a divorce and he got it. And therefore, you have to go to the loan market. And I completely understand why United are doing that. But the quid pro quo is that Ten Hag has got Ronaldo's wages off the books. They've saved 16 million pounds there. He didn't get a payoff. So, I mean, United, in some ways, might be thanking Ronaldo because they, they've saved some money there. But... Obviously, Ten Hag will be judged on how Veghors does, and if Veghors scores four goals this season, if he if he does indeed join United, that's more than Ronaldo, and that's probably the decision in itself indicated. As long as, of course, United do uh, qualify for the Champions League, which is the bare minimum that's required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Well, the question remains Ty, if United will actually sign him. As I said, you reported just before coming on air. Um, that Besiktas have, Besiktas have rejected um, the initial proposal. Do you see the kind of deal um, eventually paying off? Of course, United are working on a, a new a new offer, but um, it's obviously a difficult one when Besiktas wants to keep him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it is complicated by the fact that it's essentially a three-way negotiation. Um, I guess four-way if you include the player and, and his agent into it and that uh, Vegos has made no secret of, of what he wants. Um, I don't think Besiktas were particularly impressed by him waving and, and mouthing bye-bye to the fans at, at the weekend when it hadn't been done. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably at a stage now where it's it's going to happen. Um, I mean, I've been told that the first conversations between United and Burnley over him came before the Carabao Cup game, which was December the 21st. So the interest clearly dates back a, a long way um, or a reasonably long way. Um, so I think there's probably, I think there's a decent chance now it's it's going to happen. I don't think Basik Dasa, He's doing very well for them, but I don't think they're loaded, shall we say, at the moment. They've got that option to buy him. I don't I don't know if they could afford that or not, but I think they're they're probably and I think their chief executive was even hinted at the weekend that they would be willing to accept terminating the loan if it was financially good enough for them. So I'm sure there's a case that it, it will get done. Um I think it's complicated by the fact that United aren't really aren't talking to Basiktas, really. United are talking to Burnley and Burnley are talking to Basiktas. And then Besiktas are talking to Burnley and Burnley are talking to United. So, um, you know, it's a confusing one, a confusing one in that regard. And I think at the moment, the negotiations are United telling Burnley what they'd pay to terminate it. And Burnley saying, United will give us this much, which will give give it all to you. And Besiktas saying no. So I think the impression they get is that there's clearly an, an agreement pretty much in place between United and Burnley for it to happen. And the issue at the moment is is what Besiktas are going to need to give up on, on Vegos. Like so, I think they've they you know they've said they want to keep him for the season. They, they're going to say that, um, but I think I don't think we would have reached this stage without there being some pretty decent possibility of, of it happening. And I'm sure another another um, few zeros or another number added to the um, to the offer would would probably get it done at this stage. But it, yeah, it, it it's a complicated one, like we say, because he is on loan somewhere, and there's basically you know there's, there's a deal that's going to have to be done between Burnley and Besiktas funded by United and then a deal done between United and, and Burnley on the paperwork. So it's not, not an easy one to do, I guess.
1: Well, as we speak right now, um, it seems Besiktas have just an, uh, released a statement on Weghurs and they've basically just said, uh, kind of been quite bullish. Um, the initiative regarding White Weghurs belongs entirely to Besiktas. If there's a development on this issue, the information will be shared. They've denied apparently a rumor of um, a 2.5 million compensation clause, or something, so they're definitely not um, not going down easily in this regard, uh, Samuel, but elsewhere as well, there was also rumours over the weekend about Harry Maguire's future, he was linked with a, uh, a move to Aston Villa, which as you've reported has been laughed off by United, it would be strange to let anyone go at this point in the season, but his future after this season is up in the air for sure.
2: It is. Uh, I mean, there are. There have been some suggestions that he he, he would be receptive to, to go in this month, but I just can't really see it happening, as you say, for the main reason that United don't want to leave themselves short defensively. Uh, you could say, well, Tuanzibi is recovering from injury. You could say Phil Jones is still there, but uh, unfortunately for those two players, they are pretty much irrelevant at United now. And with Ferran, it's it's very difficult to see him go in two or three months without picking up an injury. You look at the load on United players this month, there's been an, another game added to so they there. I think they're now uncertain to play nine games this month, which is a hu- hell of a lot of football after, I mean, after a Winter World Cup as well, where, where Varane played six games. So United have got to be very careful. Y- you would imagine that Varane will be rested against Charlton in the League Cup quarterfinal and so with Maguire he might start in that but Martinez needs to start and if he's starting on the left maybe it's Lindelof on, on the right and then Maguire's not starting in a League Cup quarterfinal against a League One team which is not a good look and there have been other occasions this season where it's not been a good look for him. Uh, dad springs to mind when I think Lindelof came off injured and Was it McTominay came on? And then when Maguire did come on, he went up front. So I think beyond this season, there's there's certainly quite a lot of uncertainty about Maguire's situation, unless it does change. I mean, Varane might have a long-term injury and then Maguire gets back into the side and does well. But if, if he's still in the same situation that he's been in for, it feels like four months now, you'd probably say, since Brentford, where he's been... Um, it's felt like he'd been third choice or fourth choice. And now with Luke Shaw uh, being used as regularly as he has been at centre-half, he's he's arguably fifth-choice centre-back, having cost £80 million. And as the United captain, he, he can't tolerate that situation going forward. And of course, come the summer, it's a year before the European Championship. And as much credit as he has in the bank with Gareth Southgate, you do wonder whether Southgate would be even able to justify selecting Maguire um for you know 18 months over an 18 month spell where he's a fourth or fifth choice at united i don't think maguire would allow himself to be in that situation either but it's i mean the i think the the, the tweet that was posted by the the chap on on sunday about how a move to villa was imminent as was was quite quickly deleted as well but united and maguire's entourage found the whole thing quite laughable, um, these things, things happen. You can't really explain why the person put that out there. But still, as, as I said, I, I'd be very surprised Maguire goes anywhere this month. That there are only a handful of players in that United squad who you could see leaving. Um, and even someone like Palestri, who, who really does need to go because it's, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't even get a look in against Charlton on Tuesday night. There's still an argument from Ten Hag's perspective to keep him because he's an extra body for the attack, which is where United are at their lightest.
1: Yeah, definitely a tie, and you know we'll talk about Everton uh, shortly. But you know, again, Maguire didn't start. Shaw in at centre back unexpectedly again. What have you made of kind of Maguire's status at the club now? I say captain and potentially fifth choice centre back. It's it's certainly not the best look for him.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that the captaincy issue is is one of the reasons why it's probably best for all parties that he he does move on in the summer. It just complicates it further. You can't have a club captain who is fourth choice or, or fifth choice centre half. It just it, it causes issues. And, and like I said the other week, captaincy isn't just going on the pitch, doing the coin toss, and shouting a bit of encouragement at teammates. There's there's more to it. Um, and if if a player's got an different conduit between the you know the, the rest of the squad and the manager or the assistant manager but it's it's going to become an issue where people players if they've got an issue don't know whether to go to Fernandes or don't know whether to go to Maguire and it's you know it's, it's going to cause problems and the only way to solve that is to make Fernandes club captain but then you just you dent in Maguire's confidence even further really um so I think I think for, for all parties really an exit in the summer probably looks good and, and as I've said I think if he goes to somewhere like Filler, I think he will look good I think he just he doesn't suit the way United want to play now, and I think so much has happened to him at United that his his confidence is just drained. The faith and belief in him has drained. I think he's one of these players that would leave United and and have a perfectly good career elsewhere, really. And I think that's that's probably the best outcome for all in the summer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen again with England that in certain systems it can be really good, brilliant, even. But it's just it's just. The ship has sailed at United, it would seem. Uh, but Samuel, now we've you know we've talked about the transfer window. It's quite an unexpected uh, big chat on that front for a change. We're in, what nine days into January, and we finally had a bit of juice uh, uh, to get into. But let's talk about uh, uh, last week's game. Now on Friday, United did advanced past Everton 3-1 in the third round they survived a bit of a scare the first goal conceded since the resumption of club football after David de Gea made one of the most uh, bizarre errors I think we've seen in recent time even by his uh, um, shaky standard on that front um, goals from Anthony an own goal from Connor and a penalty from Marcus Rashford to continue his excellent scoring run got the job done it wasn't pretty at times but um, as we said Get into the fourth round now a favorite, another favourable tie on that front if not a bit of a bit of a dull one and uh, Rashford continuing to be an absolute fire so it's um, it's been, a, it's been a good good weekend all told
2: Well with Rashford I think what was the most impressive thing about his performance were both assists were via his left foot and I remember writing back in September I think it was that Ten Hag had overseen wrong footed sessions with some of the players and then when Ty was in uh, Shissenau for that memorable trip, that was, was so so wonderful for him. He can't wait to get back there. He, he noticed that they were doing it in the in the warm up as well. And with with Rashford, if you've got that variation, you're you're very unpredictable. And if you've got the end product as well, you're you're probably bordering on world class if you do it on a consistent basis. And really, a, a winger should be. He should be taking James Coleman to the cleaners. It's, it's, it's a minor miracle Coleman is still playing for Everton. He's he's looked past it for, for quite some time. He's been a terrific player for them. Excellent professional, but he's, he's just not up to the level. And he's probably one of the reasons why they're in the pickle that they're in. And Rashford at the moment is, is quite ruthless the way he goes about his, his work. And that, that was the thing that stood out. And then in contrast, on the other side, you've got Anthony, who has barely introduced his Right foot to the ball, it feels like, and the irony was that he actually uh, scored with his right foot, uh, which I think it was his first goal since that, since he scored at Goodison. So he, he did need that, but he, he still strikes me as a viral footballer. People were, and I think he did himself on Instagram. Of course, what he shared that the clips were the goal, uh, the piece of control where he didn't he didn't need to do it as um, stylishly as he did, but it was one for the cameras and that bit of skill where he got past a couple of players in the second half, apart from those three things, he did not really actually do very much at all. And this is a problem, I think, that a lot of United fans um, are starting to have with Anthony. And certainly, uh, observing the game in, in our capacity, it's, it's very rare, rare that you are outright impressed by him. And he needs to, he still needs to do more. He, he got the goal, but he didn't really kick on, it felt like, after that. And it, it wasn't a night of... You know, fine individual performances. Rashford was clearly the the best player, the man of the match. It was another evening where grit prevailed over goal from United. They've done that a number of times this season. The majority of their wins have, have been in that manner. But it's another game where they've scored three goals at home and they've they've won. They've kept up that that winning run as well. I think it's seven in a row now. They're one shy of equaling. Uh, the, the eight-game winning streak that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer started with when, when he was caretaker manager. So, however way you look at it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's exciting times for United fans because it feels like you know happier days are around the corner. that uh, They're playing well. They're winning well. They, and also, there's a hell of a lot of room for improvement. And if, if they can start moving up the gears and playing at a higher level more consistently... Then it should be a very good few months into the season for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I've been was impressed with in that game is that the, for the first time in the last five matches, they were pegged back, they suffered a blow, um, just like they were in that Fulham game before before the World Cup break. And they're showing a bit of resilience now, tied. They can go, well, they can level, they can let a lead slip, um, they can go behind, but they don't let that, that newfound kind of belief slip and they you know maintain the game as we've said they're not playing attacking and um, brilliant attacking football for 90 minutes straight but there's enough good flashes of brilliance and good moments from individuals that they are getting them across the line as say we've talked about their struggles in front of goal and that maintain you know that maintains the case maintains the case that's not right maintains the case
0: Still the remains
1: case remains the case. Remains the case. I knew I was getting there eventually. Um, you know, Rashford has scored thirteen goals now, it's more than double um Marshall who's got the second most with five. It's a clear um problem with the lack of goals throughout the team. But at least in Rashford they have found they've tapped into a reliable source of goals. They any test that's coming their way, they are they are dealing with in flying colours. The real of course, the real um litmus test will be in this coming month when the big games come starting next weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They've got some real tough games coming up. Um, I mean, you see a bit of careful to consume your football via social media these days, but you see on one hand United fans loving the the run they've been on and then other fans poking fun basically at the fixtures they've they've had. But all you can do is beat the teams in front of you. And the versions of United we've seen over the last few years simply wouldn't have won the games they've had recently. And they have won them and they've won them relatively comfortably. Like you said, they dug in a bit against Everton and, and ground out that victory. The Wolves game, I said the other week, was just a game that you win that game because you've been winning recently, I think. You've just got it in your head that you just win games. It just breeds winning more games and it becomes self-fulfilling, really, that you just find ways to do it. And, you know, they, they were the better team against Everton. Credit to Everton for, for digging in. I think when when Anthony scored so early, I think we all thought it could be four or five, but they got that goal. A lot A lot of luck about the goal, but... You know they've been playing very well I'm, I'm, you know, it would be a major shock if they don't win tomorrow and they'll go into the derby full of confidence but it is it is the week after really or the week from this weekend that's going to be the real test for them there should be Charlton at home and then they've got City Palace away which should be winnable the way Palace are playing and then Arsenal away Um, you need to win at Palace given those those two other games and it's going to be a real sort of litmus test to see where United are I've said before I think title talk is is very premature but If they can pick up even one win against City and and Arsenal, or stay undefeated in the two games, then I think you'd say that's that's a really, a really good effort and a really positive sign. So it is going to be a fascinating week to see sort of where they stand.
1: Absolutely, and Samuel, we've obviously got the Charlton game to come first, but before you know, but after that, there is the Derby. Does this kind of starting eleven hint at what team Ten Hag may kind of deploy for that match? Because obviously. Shaw was at centre back again as we've touched upon. Martinez will likely come back against Charlton, but then if he plays against Charlton, does he play against City? Um, there's some interest. It's going to be quite interesting to see the two teams he puts out over the fixtures this week. And as I say, do you reckon the game at Everton is kind of, as as you were saying on Twitter, I believe, other than Martinez, it was pretty much the strongest eleven. But do you see that being the one that kind of takes on City?
2: I suspect Martinez might be on trial in the. He's he's got to come through ninety minutes. I Think he does need ninety minutes against Charlton. He's he's not started a game in in over four weeks now. It was it was the it was the cross final against the Netherlands. So it was, it was slightly surprising that he didn't start against Everton, particularly because Everton didn't. I mean, the, the way they set up, there wasn't really an out and out striker or, or forward, I know Neil Mopé played, but Neil Mopé really struggles to score goals. He's, he's barely a striker. Um, so you know it was, it was interesting that, that Ten Hag went with Shaw when Martinez had been training for over a week. And so with the, with the Charlton game, I think it's a fair accompli that he has to start that game. If he doesn't start that game, I don't see how he can start the derby. With others, De Gea, there's no need to start him. Uh, Varane has to be protected. Casemiro probably has to be protected. Marshall does as well, but the question is who who comes in for Marshall as as the striker. Um, Fernandez is of course suspended as well, so that that takes care of that that issue. With other areas, I think you can get away with rotation, no problem. Again, they're coming up against the League One side, a, a team that aren't particularly doing very well in League One at all. Uh, Charlton are quite a fair way down the bottom half. The last time I had a look at it. So it's it's an opportunity for Fred to come in, Wan-Bissaka, um, Mack probably as well. But there are certain areas of the team where I don't think Anthony's had a great deal of football recently. So I think it's probably beneficial to keep him uh, in the side. And then there might be one or two other strong selections retained from, from the Everton game. But I just thought the way set up against Everton, given that it was eight days before the derby, there were a hell of a lot of hints there as to what team he would like to set up against City. And if if Martínez comes through the Charlton game, you would expect it to be just one change from the Everton game, which would be Malassia out and Martínez in. Injuries could obviously force his hand, but that's why with this Charlton game, it's it's logical to... Uh, opt for some mass rotation. I know Ten Hard doesn't like to do that, and he's he's not really done it since the the Sausage Dad home game, which United lost. But given the opposition tonight, sorry, not tonight, tomorrow night, I think he can he can get more than get away with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Charlton are down in twelfth. They've kind of had a little bit of resurgence recently with two wins on the spin. Tie, but I say it's a lot. You know, we've seen with the, the weekend, Steven has beaten Villa. Of course, upsets can happen, but United with the form they're in, with the kind of strength and depth they've got, they should be dispatching Charlton
0: fairly easily. What kind of team do you uh, foresee Ten kind of Hag going with? Um a, a bit of a balance, I think. I, I completely agree with Samuel. I think Martinez has got to play if he's to have a chance of, of playing the derby. It's it's going to be a month. I think it's a month today or a month tomorrow since he last started a game. He also didn't even come on in the World Cup final. So he he needs that football. You wouldn't want him to start the derby and against Haaland without starting a game for what I'd be pushing four and a half weeks then. Other than that, I think there's the changes. To, there should be a change in goal. I think Tom Eaton probably deserves to play ahead of Jack Botland. Um I think both fullbacks should change. Wambasaka and Malassia can come in. You'd probably bring Lindelof in. McTominay and Fred could certainly do a job in midfield um, against Charlton. And then I think you played one. Well, I think you've got to play one of the sort of main forwards, haven't you? We do a predicted team, I think, or a team you'd pick. And, and I picked Martial, um, just to sort of give that focal point. We they haven't really got another another striker. I know Samuel went for Alanga through the middle and, and Anthony on the um, on the right. I I went for um, Martial and then Garnacho and Alanga on the wings. But I don't think there's there's much in it really. And I mean, I would pick at least one of them. The way the way Ten Hag picks his teams, you wouldn't be surprised if maybe two of Rashford Anthony and Martial played because he he doesn't really rotate and kind of had his fingers stung by that Real Sociedad game. But, you know, you, you've got the benefit of home advantage against Charlton. I know it's a cup quarter final, but they're a League One team. You're at Old Trafford. You've got five substitutions. So if things are going wrong at half-time, you can make three changes straight away, really. So I would be looking to make changes and, and try and give give some players some rest ahead of a big week.
1: Absolutely. It would certainly be interesting to see how the game shakes out. And just to bring the podcast full circle, here is that full statement from Besiktas on Vout Weghaas. They have said, The claim that there is an exit clause in our football player's contract, stating that his contract can be terminated with a compensation of €2.5 million euros in case of an offer from the Premier League is fictitious. Continued. However, the news that the player in question will leave the team on Tuesday is completely untrue. The initiative regarding Vegas belongs entirely to Besiktas. If there is a development on this issue, the information will be shared. Samuel, just a quick one. Do you reckon that's just uh, playing hard to get and just trying to hold out for a bit of a better cash uh, offer? Or are they going to stick to the guns? They've, they've got all the power. I think they,
2: they've got to... Yeah have that set that tone because they they don't want to be bullied he's he's clearly not not bullied as such but having having one of their most important players taken off them so they're going to be as you say bullish about that and try and drag it out as long as possible it's it's very unlike united really to be trying to get a, a relatively important deal done quite quickly in in january they've not done that for for a fair old while so there's there's still quite a lot of time for Bashir has to drag it out, see, test the waters, see what United do, chance their arm. I suppose the only risk they run is that Red is seemingly so invested in going to United that he's literally waved goodbye to the Bashir supporters. That if they've got an unhappy striker on their hands who kicks off or goes on strike or refuses to play, that could that that could cripple their season. There are so many nuances at play here, and. It's it's difficult to predict what would happen if their cost was was left marooned in Istanbul, but it's you know the Bulls in United's court. They've they've got to they've got to make a decision there. They've they've got to try and find a compromise because you know, they've they've gone to the hassle of trying to take take a player off a club who's where he's on loan already, which is unusual. And I mean, it it, it, it could backfire if if they decide not to pursue it. In which case, you know that's that's on them, and it's uh, another embarrassment. But given that, as I said, they've they've gone down this avenue, and they've been in dialogue with Burnley for as long as Ty said they have been. So that's what two weeks, nearly three weeks, possibly. Um, they've they've got to they've got to be feeling confident in happening, and and course, and, and and certainly people who know him in the in the Netherlands um, are confident that it will ultimately happen.
1: Well, for all the latest on United's chase for Vout Vegas and all the expert analysis of the upcoming games this week, you know where to go. You go over to uk forward slash Manchester United. And that, uh, dear listeners, brings the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast to a close. Thank you all once again for listening. And if you want to watch this in living colour, you can get us on our brand new YouTube channel over at manunited-many. M-E-N, please go over there, give it a nice little subscribe and like and whatnot. we'd really appreciate it and we really appreciate you listening as well of course so thank you everyone for doing so and we'll be back uh, later on this week to talk about United's uh, Carabao Cup clash with Charlton and look ahead to Saturday's massive Manchester derby but until then everyone, we'll see you
2: soon.